Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the sixth Sunday after Easter, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Brochard as he preaches from the lectionary, which this week was Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 31. As always, you can find more sermons by All Soulsians or information on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Many years ago, I came across a priest from the Church of England who became curious when he started seeing flyers around town that were advertising for what the flyer said was a seeker's fair. The flyers piqued his interest, and so on a Saturday morning, he found himself at a local convention center that was filled with booth upon booth upon booth upon booth of all manner of things spiritual and spiritual-ish. There were crystals of all sizes that you could buy for lots and lots of money. There were wisdom texts from every continent. There were hosts of psychics. And there was even a giant gong that you got to spend $20 to ring once. At first, my friend was kind of snarky looking at the dozens of booths in the convention center that all promised a spiritual experience, as well as a little angry with those that he perceived to be hucksters or swindlers. But then as he started observing the people who were streaming into the fair, he began to feel a a compassion well up within And he realized that each and every person in that large hall was looking a little lost to him. That they were all seeking for something that they could not name. This friend of mine then did something kind of unexpected. He did not chastise the gong ringers for their unbelief or for their willingness to spare a fair amount of their money to ring a gong. He did not picket the seeker's fair for leading people astray. What he did was talk to the organizers of the seeker's fair to find out when the next fair was being held. And he booked a booth. And at his booth, he had prayer cards. He had Anglican prayer beads. He taught people how to do centering prayer. He helped people practice how to find and to know God. Sometimes I think that the the Apostle Paul gets a bad rap. I know. To be sure, Paul wrote some things that were profoundly problematic. And even more problematic things were written in his name that he probably didn't write. At the same time, given the context that Paul lived in, Paul of Tarsus did some unexpected and sometimes incredible things. Take our reading today from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Paul is visiting synagogues around the Mediterranean. He's sharing this incredible news about Jesus the Christ. 
And after stirring up trouble in several cities, other Jesus followers spirit him away to Athens. And as Paul does, he goes to synagogues and he tells anyone who will listen that the Scriptures have been fulfilled. But Paul also goes to the marketplaces where the politics and the philosophies of the day were being debated. And there in the marketplaces, he talks at length about the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And finally, some Epicureans and some Stoics are both intrigued and probably annoyed enough that they bring Paul to the base of the Parthenon to speak at the Areopagus. So there Paul is. That's where he picked up in our reading for today. Right there at the base of the temple to the gods. Now, you should also know that earlier in this chapel, chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, the author tells us that Paul is greatly distressed to see that this city is full of idols. We cannot forget that Paul is a faithful Jew. These shrines and temples break a couple of fundamental laws. One, that there is only one God, and that you are not to make an image of the Holy One. And there he is, surrounded by these graven images to these many deities. So I think it's really important for us to know what Paul does not do. Paul does not preach a polemic about their apostasy. Paul does not wag his finger. In fact, in a moment of remarkable intercultural competence, Paul commends them on their faith. What Paul does do is recognize something that they share, and he builds from there. People of Athens, he says, I see that you are religious in every way, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. And then... Paul shares with them what he has come to know. He's doing something culturally appropriate by understanding something about them in order to build a bridge so that they might see something more. He uses their language, their texts, their desires so that they might know the Christ. Many of the times in my life when I've come to understand God more truly, or wholly, or fully, it's been because someone has had the courage, respect, and compassion to meet me where I was and invite me to go deeper into this mystery. And then in his speech, Paul puts his finger on a quandary that I think many of us thousands of years still wrestle with. 
because he plays with this idea of the known and the unknown. And he talks about constraint being essential to this search. As he builds his argument about the shrine that was made to the unknown God, Paul says this, that God allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for God and find God, though indeed the Holy One is not far from each one of us. It's that image of searching for God that has stayed with me all week. And the Greek word here for that word in English, grope, has to do with um, like fumbling around in the dark, like you're searching with your hands, your feet, your whole body to find a way forward. And I have to say that stumbling around in the dark feels really true to me. I have experienced that in my body recently. And it's been my experience that it's the moments when we come up to the bounds of our lives, to the edges of our existence, when we are most out of our own control. It's then when we search and when we yearn, when we are aware of what we don't know. And it's then when we are most open and available to know and be known by God. I mean, there's no need to search if you feel like you've got everything at your fingertips. But when you come to that threshold of unknowing, it can be a deeply unsettling experience. And it can also be a pathway to God. Some of you may have heard me preach about a monk from the Middle Ages named Notker. Notker lived in the Alps in Europe and one day was walking alongside a cliffside path until he came to a section where there were workers that were rebuilding a bridge that went over this really deep chasm. And he realized that one slip, one false move by one of those workers would result in them plummeting to their death. And he had an insight that day that we have passed down generation to generation to generation, even weaving it into our burial rite. That even in the midst of life, we are in death. For in that moment, even at the edge of the great unknown, we can trust that we are not alone. For it is in that space, so very near to us, that God awaits. And so this was a bold claim for Paul to make. That as followers of Christ, we live with a fundamental trust. That we were made to know God. That our purpose in life in life is the pursuit of God and that it's a longing 
that is actually mirrored in God. And like any real love, it's a knowing that cannot be coerced. It can only be sought, invited, welcomed, and returned. Part of what Paul is teaching that day at the Areopagus is a radical, essential truth that the God of multiverses and of quarks, the God of truth and beauty and love, that this God desires to be known at the edges of what we know. God wants to be known by you and by me.